0: Father Dominic Legg is the Director of the Thomistic Institute and Associate Professor in Dogmatic Theology at the Pontifical Faculty of the Immaculate Conception here in Washington, D.C. He holds a Juris Doctor from Yale University and a Doctorate in Sacred Theology from the University in Fribourg, Switzerland. Please um, welcome Father Dominic. I hope you'll excuse me if I begin this talk with an advertisement. Uh, this symposium, of course, is the follow-up to the symposium held in Rome last year, and the proceedings of that symposium have been published in a very beautiful two-volume set uh, from Paulus Press. This is volume one, A Fundamental Theology of the Priesthood. Many of the talks that we're discussing in this symposium uh, are referring back to the um, the larger, the longer scholarly papers uh, in this volume and the second volume. Uh, unfortunately, due to a miscommunication, we don't have all the volumes here for you to take home with you. But I have good news. Uh, Paulus Press has brought this registration form or this sales form. Uh, it's on the table with all the other books in the foyer. So if you'd like to get a copy of these two-volume proceedings, uh, you can fill out the form from Paulus Press. End of advertisement. The title of this talk is The Trinity, Christology, and the Priesthood. At a conference on the priesthood, it might seem that we should begin our inquiry by focusing on the sacrament of holy orders. But perhaps this would be a mistake especially if we want to appreciate the Trinitarian and Christological dimensions of the priesthood at the center of the Church. So I will follow the suggestion of His Eminence Cardinal Ouellette, as he underlined in his chapter in the published Proceedings from the Rome Symposium. His title was The Holy Spirit and the Priesthood of Christ in the Church, and suggests that the place to begin our inquiry is with the divine missions, and above all, the mission of the Son to take our flesh in the Incarnation, which culminates in Christ's sending of the Holy Spirit upon the world, the Holy Spirit breathed forth by the risen Christ, and it yields the indwelling of the divine persons in the hearts of believers. Now, if we were to try to trace this back to the absolute principle The absolute origin, it would be the principle without a principle in the Holy Trinity, namely the Father. The Father sends the Son into the world in order to sanctify it with the Holy Spirit, who of course proceeds from the Father and the Son. And it's by receiving the Holy Spirit that we are configured to Christ, the Divine Son, and thus are made adopted sons and daughters of the Father and are placed on a trajectory of return to the Father. So if we take this starting point for an examination of the priesthood, it will help us to see the deep unity undergirding the important distinctions between the priesthood of all believers and the ministerial priesthood, one of the core themes of the symposium in Rome and of this symposium. And. Since I am a student of St. Thomas Aquinas, I hope you will forgive me if I call upon the angelic doctor as a major representative of the perennial doctrine of the Church, which the Second Vatican Council so helpfully brought more clearly to light about the priesthood. When the Catechism of the Catholic Church discusses baptism, It says that baptism not only washes away our sins, but also, and this is a quote from the first text on your handout, text A, makes the neophyte a new creature, an adopted son of God, who has become a partaker of the divine nature, a member of Christ and co-heir with him, and a temple of the Holy Spirit. So this is a configuration to Christ, wrought by the Holy Spirit, making us members of Christ's body, as we read both in the letter to the Ephesians and in the first letter to the Corinthians, as 1 Corinthians 12 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. This leads the Catechism to identify a second dimension of the grace of baptism. And this is the second quote, text B on your handout from the Catechism. Baptism gives a share in the common priesthood of all believers. And it goes on to quote chapter 2 of the first letter of Peter. The baptized have become living stones to be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood. They are a chosen race, or chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. So according to the teaching of the catechism, the teaching the perennial teaching of the church. Baptism involves our reception of the Holy Spirit, configuring us to Christ, incorporating us into his body, and therefore making us into a holy and royal priesthood, a spiritual temple for the worship of the triune God. So, if we now turn to the insights that the angelic doctor can bring on this classic teaching of the Catholic Church, I think we will begin to see the complementarity and in a way the unity that we find in the Christian priesthood which is the priesthood of Jesus Christ in its two forms shared out to us the ministerial priesthood and the priesthood of all believers. One of the most little-known but very striking features of the thought of St. Thomas on the priesthood and it applies to both the ministerial priesthood and the priesthood of all the faithful is its pneumatological dimension, the dimension of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our great high priest from whom every share in the priesthood flows. And Aquinas analyzes this precisely insofar as Jesus is anointed as man with the Holy Spirit. He receives the Holy Spirit in absolute plenitude. Aquinas goes so far as to suggest that it's the anointing of his sacred humanity by the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus as man to be a priest. That's very striking. There's a text, a very beautiful text, I've only given you a short excerpt uh, of it in text C on your handout from Aquinas' commentary on St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. I won't read it for the sake of time, but I just uh, point out that. According to Aquinas' logic, on display in this text and in others, Jesus receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit as man, and therefore has full dominion over the economy of grace. From his Spirit-filled humanity, he distributes every grace to the faithful. So, he is the head of the body. Aquinas refers to this as Christ's capital grace. And this is also a key dimension of Christ's priesthood. Now, Aquinas understands priesthood in terms of mediation. Because a priest is a mediator, he gives divine things to men. And so Christ is a priest as man, insofar as he is anointed by the Holy Spirit, and thus pours out the Holy Spirit's gifts, indeed gives the Holy Spirit himself in person, to the human race. Pouring out the Spirit is a central feature of Christ's priestly mediation, according to Aquinas and, I think, the Catholic tradition more broadly. St. Thomas extends this analysis to the sacraments, too. Jesus institutes the sacraments. He fills them with the grace of the Holy Spirit, "quote the oil of sanctification and rejoicing. The sacraments, Aquinas writes, which are vessels of grace, are from Him. End quote. Established by Christ as man, the sacraments bear within them the grace of the Holy Spirit, a holy oil flowing from Christ's own anointing with the Holy Spirit. So, if we were to go back to the sacrament of baptism and ask precisely what is the ultimate grace the ultimate fruit, you might say, in Aquinas' terms, the res tantum of baptism, this is what we would find. And this is text D on your handout from question 69 of the tertiary Powers of Aquinas' Summa. Quote, The baptized are incorporated into Christ as his members, but from Christ the head, the fullness of his grace and virtue flows down to his members, as John 1.16 says, from his fullness we have all received. When I, in preparing this talk, went back and reread this passage, I was, I was really struck. Because John 1.16, From His Fullness we have all received, is one of Aquinas' favorite passages to talk about Christ's reception of the Holy Spirit and the way he pours it out. And this is precisely the way he analyzes what baptism accomplishes in the baptized we receive the Spirit from Christ the priest. Now when we receive baptism, and thus the Spirit, we are configured by the Holy Spirit to Christ himself. Configured to Christ in his passion, death, and resurrection. The gift of the Spirit that comes to us through Christ is always Christoform, which means It always has the passion impressed upon it. So we see this clearly in what Aquinas says about the character conferred by baptism. That's the indelible spiritual mark that baptism makes on the soul, deputing us to the worship of the Christian religion. That's precisely how Aquinas understands what baptism accomplishes in us, in its character, it makes us qualified and ready to worship in a Christian way, that is, a specifically Trinitarian form of worship. Jesus, the Divine Son in person, gives the Spirit. As we receive the Spirit from Him in baptism, we are configured by the Spirit to Christ's own character, which Aquinas thinks refers to His filial identity, that is, to be the Son of the Father. St. Thomas approaches this beautiful mystery of baptism and how it configures us to worship God in a Trinitarian pattern. You should be thinking of the priesthood here, worship of God. He approaches this mystery from a different angle when he comments on the passage in St. John's Gospel where Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus promises her living water leaping up to eternal life so that she will be able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, whereas before, the text tells us, she worshipped what she did not know. So this episode is about baptism, Aquinas thinks. It leads St. Thomas to underline what is distinctive about Christian worship. The baptized Christian knows and worships God as Father, in a mode proper to adopted sons and daughters, something that neither the Samaritans, nor even most of the followers of the old law knew explicitly. Or to put it differently, Aquinas thinks that it is because we worship in spirit and in truth that we are worshiping the Father as the Father. Since, insofar as we receive the Holy Spirit from the Son, We are put in personal relation to the Father from whom the Son proceeds and to whom we ultimately return. So Christ then gives it to us that we would be drawn into the very inner relations of the Trinity through our filial adoption, giving us to worship the Father as Father since we are made adopted sons and daughters through the Son in the Holy Spirit. In giving the Samaritan woman the living water of the Holy Spirit and in revealing his true identity as the Christ to her, Jesus transforms her from one who worships in ignorance and error to one who worships the Father in spirit and in truth. And this leads us back to the priesthood, of course. First, to the priesthood of all the baptized, and then to the ministerial priesthood. For Aquinas... And this is the next text. Uh, I think it's the next text. On here. Maybe I have not included it on the handout. I think I did not include it. Uh, so, excuse me. This is a text from the Summa, the Teretiu Pars, question 82. For Aquinas, the faithful, quote, have a spiritual priesthood for offering spiritual sacrifices. They offer these spiritual sacrifices as a participation in the priestly act of Christ, the true high priest, as he above all offers himself on the cross aquinas is clear that this is an act of worship of the father by the son as man moved by the loving impulse of the holy spirit and there is a beautiful text which i've not uh, placed on the handout it's rather long that discusses how jesus was moved to offer himself on the cross by the instinct and impulse Of the Holy Spirit, the impulse of love for the Father and for us. Every baptized person is drawn into this dynamic, is deputed by the character of baptism to the worship of the Trinity in this properly Christian way, and is given the love of the Spirit which impelled Christ to the cross and impels us also to offer our lives in union with his worship. And sacrifice but in order for us to encounter Christ's one perfect sacrifice through time down through the ages in all the times and places of the world Aquinas thinks this is why Jesus instituted ministers in the church giving them to share in his priesthood in a special way by the sacrament of holy orders so that they would become instruments of Christ the priest for the sake of the sanctification and right worship of the faithful. We could talk about many other things at this point, for example, the character imparted by holy orders. Time doesn't permit all of that, but allow me at least to highlight one important point about the ultimate grace, the res tantum, of holy orders. Understanding it in as a kind of uh, building on what we heard about the ultimate grace of baptism. Just as baptism infuses the grace of the Holy Spirit into the baptized, so that the baptized person can now live a life of holiness in the Spirit, as an adopted son or daughter of the Father, so also, holy orders adds to the man's common baptismal vocation a new and further specification. Sanctifying grace is deployed in the new priest's life in a new way, so that he is not only made apt to worship God as a member of Christ's body by the grace of baptism, but now to do so as a priestly mediator, as a holy instrument of Christ the high priest, sharing in Christ's headship. This ministerial priesthood therefore involves a qualitatively different configuration to Christ. The ministerial priest is an active instrument of Christ in the sanctification of his people. But notice that it is in service of the one common vocation in the body of Christ. And the priest's own personal path to holiness now is to be configured to Christ in a new way, having received a new share in Christ's spirit, so that he is able to participate in Christ's own activity as head of the mystical body, sanctifying, teaching, governing. This is a very high calling, Aquinas thinks. Look at the text in under uh, letter E on the handout. Quote, To be fit to exercise holy orders, not just any amount of goodness is enough. Rather, excelling goodness is needed, so that as those who receive holy orders are established in a degree of order above the people, they may also be higher by the merit of their holiness. Hence, in the reception of holy orders itself, A greater gift of grace is given through which they are rendered fit for greater things. In conclusion, let me mention just one final text, because it's beautifully evocative of Aquinas' understanding of a priestly spirituality. Commenting on Hebrews 5, the line where we read that a high priest offers gifts and sacrifices for sins and deals gently with the ignorant and wayward, Aquinas explains, and this is the last quote on your handout, text F, as through the devotion of prayer, a priestly mediator should touch God as one extreme. Thus, through mercy and compassion, he should touch the other extreme, namely man. In Aquinas' theology, devotion refers to the interior act of religion, something we heard from Dr. Frey, prompted by charity, the love of God, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is love in person, is the source of the ministerial priests' priestly acts when they are made filled with charity. Charity for God, charity for neighbor. They're acts made first by Christ and as derived from him by the ministerial priests ministerial priests who are called to imitate Christ himself as the Holy Spirit sets them on fire with love for God and neighbor. Thank you. Thank you, Father Dominic. We have time for some questions, and again, uh, the Dominicans will be handling the microphones. Please raise your hands. We have a question over here. Thank you, Father Dominic. Um, If I heard you correctly, uh, Christ is... Jesus is priest uh, insofar as he's man in his human nature, and that he becomes priest through the the anointing without measure of, of the Holy Spirit. Why isn't the hypostatic union a principle of, of Jesus's priesthood? That's an awesome question, and one that we could uh, really dig into. And I would say he is priest uh, by the hypostatic union and by the anointing uh, of the Holy Spirit. So this has been a common, uh, I don't know, question perhaps among scholars of St. Thomas uh, about uh, where to locate Christ's priesthood, Um, and often it's located in the hypostatic union. But Aquinas actually has very beautiful and very explicit texts where he locates it in his anointing uh, with the Holy Spirit. I don't think we should ever oppose those two ideas. So the fullness of grace of the Holy Spirit that he receives as man flows from the personal union that uh, this man has to the divinity in the hypostatic union. And Aquinas also is very explicit about that, that kind of necessary outflow. Um, but in terms of trying to understand uh, the Spirit's role in the priesthood, I think it's very helpful to accentuate this other dimension uh, and of course it is true that he's priest as man according to Aquinas and not as God, so God is... Uh, I mean the priest is a, is a mediator between God and man so it's not in his divine nature that he's a priest. Other questions? Thank you, Father Dominic. Uh, I had a question about confirmation and confirmation character, the, the character imparted in the sacrament of confirmation. We speak about priesthood of the baptized, of course, common priesthood, ministerial priesthood, priesthood of holy orders, to what extent can we speak of a priesthood of the confirmed, uh, especially thinking of the confirmation character as an active power by which the confirmed are sent, uh, so you know, sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit to, to be apostles to the world? Thank you. That's that's a great question. Um, and I think you're probably testing the limits of my expertise. I know that I'm in the presence of Cardinal Willette, who's himself a sacramental theologian. We've got some other sacramental theologians in the room. I'm probably going to make a big gaffe. Um, because this is not my area, except to say that I think we would see the, uh, the in terms of the priestly character of the faithful's witness to Christ, uh, that, that is, or the, the priestly um, dimension, uh, it, it would be rooted, I would think, in the baptismal character and then the additional, uh, the additional graces that are given in confirmation. Perhaps the character uh, of confirmation is conferring something there. I feel like I that's a I'm a little bit ignorant there Um, but I think it is true that the uh, certainly in the in the magisterial teaching of the church the priesthood of all believers is rooted first in baptism Uh, and so we wouldn't want to begin to say oh well you're not really a priest until you're confirmed I mean in a certain way confirmation is preparing you for that public witness to the faith and to be strengthened in the faith Um, is it a uh, I don't think we want to set it over against the baptismal priesthood of the uh, that is granted by um, the sacrament of baptism. Another hand, right there. Being in the midst of confirmation season in my diocese, uh, I try to explain uh, confirmation as a uh, not so much a not a new character as would be true of ordination to the priesthood. But rather as an intensification or augmentation of what is actually given to you initially in baptism, so it's somewhat different from. I'll defer to sacramental theologians here. I'm not expert in that either, but it seems to me that's one way to look at it uh, as a completion of baptism, an intensification of the powers received in in baptism uh, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, whereas ordination, the priesthood actually adds something distinctively new uh, to the person, which we call a character. We have time for one more question. Thank you for this great talk. I have an interest in this whole idea of the instrumentality and the instrumentality of the priest versus, you know, in light of sacraments. and Can you just expound on that a little bit more and, and what are the implications of that for the priest? So when Aquinas talks about, so instrumentality is extremely important for the sacraments. Um, you could have a theory of, of, um, of the graces that are received through the sacraments that doesn't include an instrumental cause. When Aquinas discusses what a sacrament does, he raises this as a, like an alternative view that some in the past have posited. It's a kind of sacramental occasionalism, and he says, no, that doesn't work. Uh, because we really want to say that the sacraments do something; they cause something. But if they cause something, do we want to say that they cause? I mean, isn't God the one who's causing? And can a can a creature uh, impart that kind of um, effect? And Aquinas says, "Well, no. Okay, the, the God has to be causing. The creature can't can't doesn't itself have the power in its own creaturely nature. So the solution is to understand the creature as an instrument." Uh, by which God causes. And we could work out uh, more examples of instrumental causality in the way that that an instrument is drawn into the higher activity of a higher cause. So, you know, the pen that you're using to write notes uh, is really writing the notes but it's only writing the notes insofar as it's being used by a higher cause, namely uh, you. So you're writing the notes through the pen um, but the pen is actually really important. Without the pen, you're not going to write notes very well. Um, and so, and, and, you know, some people get very particular about the pen that they use uh, because they care about the the result, you know. So actually the instrument can really affect the result. You could think of a musical instrument and it would give you an even better uh, idea, you know. The violin that you buy on Amazon for $80 compared to the Stradivarius um, is going to Generate an enormously different sound. Um, both are instruments, some instruments are better than others. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at slash donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith, and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.